trail grows fainter and your path uncertain, climb on. When the rocks become sharper and tear at your feet, climb on. When rain clouds threaten and the fierce winds howl, climb on. When the air grows thin and each breath takes more effort, climb on. When the crowds turn back and the path becomes lonely, climb on. When your faith is pushed to its ultimate limit, climb on. That's right, my friend, climb on. A reward awaits for all those who refuse to give up, for all those who reach the summit. Life trails, take the next step. So I was thinking back to the best gift that I've ever received for Father's Day, and it was a broken drum. You just can't beat that. I want, I want my gift card. <laughs> Sorry. You know, I like to think of myself as a, as a big-time hiker, and the truth of the matter is I'm really not. And Kelly and I have been doing a lot of hiking in the... In the uh, whenever we get the opportunity and go into some of these national parks, and just sometimes around here, back a couple of weeks ago, we went down to Pink Pinckney State Recreation Area. There's some great trails down there. By the way, my wife and I are not only celebrating Father's Day today, we're also celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary. So yeah. She's, she's listened to 30 years of jokes like that. You gotta admire the woman. But I like to fashion myself as a hiker, but the truth of the matter is I, I, I haven't done near as much as I'd like to. And one of the things I haven't done a lot of is what they call summiting, where you actually climb to the, the top of a mountain. And I was trying to go back and through my mental files and think through if I've climbed to the top of any mountains that are actually mountains. Maybe Mount Cadillac in Acadia National Park. Has anybody climbed to the top of that? It's, it's pretty doable. But we, when I went there, I was just out of college, and I don't honestly remember. I'm sure I did. But uh, I'm not exactly sure. When I was a boy, we used to vacation out in Buena Vista, Colorado. And uh, right behind the, the, the place that we rented was a uh, Mount Princeton, which was one of the 14ers. And one day we set out to climb that. And we got within about 200 yards of the top in a major electrical storm. Uh, cut loose, and so we hightailed it down that mountain, so I missed the, the, the uh, summit by about 200 yards. When we were in Breckenridge back a few years ago with a family, we were going to climb Quandary Peak, but to do that, you had to be at the trailhead by 6 o'clock, so I think uh, we might have got outvoted on that one 3 to 2, uh, whether or not we were going to climb Quandary Peak. My son actually went out on his 21st birthday to Colorado, visit with some friends, and he climbed Mount Elbert, which is the tallest peak in uh, Colorado. And he flew out there on the day before his birthday and climbed it. There is such a thing as altitude sickness. Luke can tell you a lot about that. But he did manage to make it to the top. It was a very short period of the top. Took his picture and ran back down. And that's really the way that it is with summits, isn't it? You get up there, you take your picture, and then you got to go back down because it's you know, the rare air that you are in at the top there. But you have that memory, that sense of accomplishment. You've done what two or a few people have done. But this summer, we want to talk about summiting. And we want to talk about some of the mountains that are in the Bible. And there's actually quite a few that are mentioned. And you're going to learn some of them as you go. And some of them you already knew. 
But we're going to talk about the people who climbed those mountains. And I don't know if they got to the top and if they summited, but I do know that they had quite the journey when it comes to the climb. And they had some big moments in those hikes. And I'm sure that some of those hikes were very, very frightening. And that's my problem when it comes to climbing some of these mountains, is I struggle with a fear of heights. Now, I've been told, and I'm claiming this is true, that if you have, um, if your balance system is compromised, and mine is, that it makes that fear more extreme. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm, I'm going with that, because otherwise, it's like, why is it when I'm walking down a trail that all I can think about is, if you fall, you die? Because I walk through life and never fall down. But when I get on that trail, that's the only thought that goes through my mind, is like, Whoa. And uh, <laughs> it's, not, it's not like, whoa, it's like, whoa, is really what it's like. But the mountain that we're looking at today actually tra uh, scares me a little bit. Because the trail that goes up, I don't think I could have done it myself. And the story is told in Genesis chapter 22. So I want to invite you to, to go uh, to Genesis 22. And here's why this trail would have scared me. Because the trail that, in this case, it's Abraham, is taking to the top of this mountain is extremely frightening because of the drop-off. But it's not just the drop-off on one side, it's the drop-off on the other side. And to be completely honest, Mount Moriah, the mountain that he's climbing, is not a tall mountain. It's about 2,200 feet, more of like a hill. And not that the physical trail itself was particularly scary, but the trail that he was on faced two different drop-offs. Now, we're working our way through some of the national parks, and one of the ones we want to go to is Zion National Park. And this is the most famous trail that goes up Zion National Park right there. It's called the Angel's Landing. And that has steep drop-offs. But the interesting thing about that trail is the drop-offs are on both sides. Is there another slide of that there? Uh, Angel's Landing or no? Yeah, that's what it looks like if you fall off some of these trails. But on that trail... If you go off the right, it's that way, and if you go off the left, it's the same basic thing. And so if we ever make it to Zion National Park, Kelly will be doing that hike by herself, because that's not my thing. But in this hike that Abraham was taking, off the one side was this steep drop that I would call faith, and off the other side was this steep drop that I would call fathering. And he was in danger in both directions of of, of losing his faith and going off that end, and on the other side of losing his fathering and going off that side. And so he's in this incredibly dangerous situation. I'll explain what I mean by that a little bit more as we go here this morning. But he is called and asked to. It's not his choice to go up this mountain. He's actually instructed by God to go up this mountain, and he doesn't even flinch. He's just like, okay, here we go. And so we get to Genesis chapter 22. Abraham at this point is now an old man, well into his hundreds. But this is what it says about him. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. And this is an interesting way to tell the story. Because what the narrator is saying here is what I'm about to tell you, it's just a test. Do you remember that when you were a kid? For some of you who had the old uh, regular TV, this is just a test of the emergency broadcasting system. I have no idea what it was a test about. Did anybody ever, like, did, did this ever tell you to do anything? Like, I don't know, run for cover or anything? It just would come on right in the middle at, at the most annoying times, and that would show up. And if you don't ever remember this, you're younger than I am, okay? So, uh, but this is what it was, and this is what actually the narrator is doing here is he's throwing up the test pattern to say, test, test, test. 
This is not, in a sense, the real thing. And yet, at the same time, it was a real thing, and yet it wasn't the real thing. Just like driving a car is the real thing, but when we call it a test drive, it's not quite the real thing. And so that's what the narrator is saying about this story here. It's a little bit of a test. So here's what God says to Abraham, though. Abraham. Well, I was just reading next there. He says, Abraham, and Abraham responds, here I am. And then God says this. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Can you imagine being asked to do that for every dad that's sitting in this room, for every parent that's sitting in this room? Take your son, your only son, and sacrifice him. And so he sends them to the Moriah, which was a little bit of a mountain range. And you can see it on the map there. There's a red arrow. Beersheba, down there at the bottom of the map, that's where Abraham was when God comes to speak to him there. And his path goes up there through Hebron, up there to Moriah. And it was going to be about a 50-mile hike. It would take him about three days. And so what does Abraham do with this? Well, he chooses to take this trail. But here's why this trail is such a difficult trail because if he chooses to sacrifice his son, well, doesn't that feel like he's falling off the fatherhood trail? But if he chooses to say no to God, doesn't that feel like he's falling off the faith trail? And so Abraham's in this really, really difficult situation because it seems like to do one means that he can't do the other. So what does he do with that? Well, I think this is sometimes what I experience myself. Sometimes I'm looking at faith and it's like, well, if I'm going to do this, then it's going to require me to take this step. And then I'm like, but if I take this step, what's going to happen over here? And I get into this conundrum, and even in my parenting, like, okay, I'm going to take this step in my parenting, and I'm going to do this, and then I'm wondering, how is that going to affect my kids over here? And then sometimes I'm looking at my kids in the situation they're facing, like, let's go this way. And then I'm like, how is this going to affect my faith over here? And sometimes we get put in these situations in life where it's like, I don't really know what to do. Because I want to be faithful to God. I also want to be faithful to family. I want to be faithful uh, to people who are depending on me. I want to be faithful in my life. What is my choice? And so maybe that's the struggle that you have this morning on a hard trail of faith, saying, I don't know if I can do that or not, or a hard trail of family, or maybe it's both combined, and, and maybe it's not either of those, but still, there's a situation you're facing right now, and you're trying to figure out the right thing to do, and it just seems like one wrong step, and we're going off the edge here. So how does Abraham respond to this instruction that God's just given him? He says, early in the, ne or the narrator says, early in the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Seriously? There's no discussion here? I think I would have like raised my hand and said, just a minute, God, could, could you repeat that? I'm not sure I got that quite right. You're talking about Isaac here? Or like, is there like another option here that we, we could explore, have a little discussion here? Or, you know, God, what you're asking me to do here really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, this... This is the son I waited for for forever, and now you're going to take him? And isn't this the one that you promised to bless the rest of the world with? Abraham says what? Nothing. 
just packs up and goes. Verse number four, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to the servants, you stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then catch this next line. And then we will come back to you. Interesting. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he, carried, he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said this to his father, or to Abraham. And this word just gets me here. Dad? Can you imagine Abraham turning like, yes? And Isaac says, well, the fire and wood are here. Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? I've been asked some hard questions for my kids. I don't think I've ever been asked a question like that. Or that required an answer like that. And Abraham says, Isaac, God himself will provide the, notice that next word, the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Interesting. It's not that God will provide the offering, it's that God will provide the lamb for the offering. And so the two of them went on together, and when they reached the place that God told them about, Abraham built an altar, and there arranged the wood on it, and he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And this story seemed horrible and it couldn't have been a pleasant moment for Abraham for sure. But remember, this was a test. And Isaac was never going to die in this test. That was never God's intention. It wasn't the plan. It was just a test. See, it was the pagan gods of the day that required child sacrifices, not Abraham's God. And maybe Abraham knew that. Maybe that was part of what was going through his mind. But that was what God's commitment was. It was to Isaac. And so that was never going to happen. And sometimes we look at his story and say, oh, what a horrible God. No, no, no. God was never going to have Isaac be killed. He was actually doing something with Abraham and maybe with Isaac in that moment, though, that he wanted him to get. In verse number 13, it says, Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over, and he took the ram and sacrificed it as the burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. To this day, it said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And to me, that's kind of an odd name for a place. But we'll get to that in just a minute. And so somehow, Abraham had managed to hike this incredibly narrow trail and keep both himself and his son safe in the process. So how did he do that? And that's what I want to look at this morning. How do we do that when we're on these narrow paths where it's like, okay, if I go this way, I might be abandoning my family. If I go this way, I might be abandoning my faith or whatever the situation is like that. Well, I think there's three concepts and three words that I want to pull out of this story for us to think about this morning that will help us navigate these situations in life. The first one is testing. And testing is when you go through any situation that maybe you wouldn't pick for yourself because it's not all that pleasant, but somehow it's supposed to be for your good. And in this case, let's be honest, the testing was pretty extreme. 
The second word here is trust. And we talk a lot about trust, but sometimes it's easier to talk about trust than it is to actually live out trust. And so God doesn't ask Abraham, do you trust me? God says, show me. So Abraham's trust levels were actually like through the roof in this situation. And then the third word that we get to here is provision. And provision, we all have needs, and we're all in the habit of providing for ourselves, but we run into crises in life as when our needs exceed our abilities to provide for ourselves. And we get to that sometimes when we just don't know the situation or the decision that we need to make because we don't know the situation well enough or, or we need something like even financially and we just don't have the means to supply that. But we end up in these situations in our lives where we don't have enough. So we take these three words and I would describe Abraham's story with these three words. Abraham was on the trail of testing that he made a trek of trust as he went up to a peak that he called provision. And so let's explore these three words just a little bit here this morning and see if they can be helpful to us. The narrator tells us that this was only a test, so as the reader, we can relax a little bit. But as you face tests in your life, the same challenge is available for you to relax a little bit. My first thing is when hard times come and where I look at these things and they look horrible and I'm like, oh no, what do I do in this situation? And my first response is sometimes to panic and to sometimes to get upset. And I think part of what we're supposed to learn from this story is to say, oh, relax a little bit. Because this may not be exactly what it looks like. And this story was not exactly what it looked like to Abraham in this situation. God wasn't asking for Isaac's life. He was asking for Abraham's heart. And sometimes what it seems like the test is asking from us is not exactly what God's trying to get from us. And actually, maybe what God's actually trying to give to us. But God often uses different uncomfortable paths to accomplish his purposes. And he had a specific purpose for Abraham in mind. And I think he had a secondary purpose in mind, too, which we're going to get to. Now, the second thing to notice about this is this test was not designed to give God information about Abraham. It wasn't that God threw this out and said, boy, I wonder what Abraham's going to do here. God is eternal and all-knowing. He knew exactly what Abraham was going to do in this situation. And so this test was really more for Abraham than it was for God. But I think it was actually an opportunity for God to affirm Abraham and the progress that he made in his faith. Abraham, if you go back in his story, was not the most faith-filled guy. I mean, twice he had incidents where he lied about his wife and said, just say that you're my sister, because I don't want to get killed so that some guy wants to take you for his wife. This is the same guy who actually fathered Ishmael, which was another huge lapse of faith in his life. This was a guy who struggled with faith, but I think this test was God's opportunity to say, Abraham, when he says, now I know, he's saying, Abraham, look where you've come. See, you're actually demonstrating the faith that I've been asking for from you for so long. So this test then was actually for Abraham's benefit. Now that seems a little hard for me to understand, and I would have begged out of it. But this test was a great moment and actually was the summit, I think, of Abraham's life. And this test was an invitation to grow. So let me just point out a, a, a few thoughts here. On testing. If you're facing testing in your life, it's difficult to make sense of your trail. It's difficult to make sense of the trail. God may bring things along into your life 
that confuse you, that you're like, this doesn't make sense, this doesn't even square up with what I think it should be or what I think God is like, like the sacrificing of a child, that doesn't make any sense, especially when you've been told that that child's going to be the child of promise. And so sometimes God brings us down trails or up trails, maybe it would be more appropriate to say, that are difficult for us to make sense of. Secondly, God's tests, though, are always for our benefit. So if you're going through a time of testing, God is planning to use this for your benefit. Now, let me just say that every bad thing that happens in your life is not necessarily a test. So there are times in life where things can happen to you, and it's not God testing you. You can go through tragedies. You can go through, you can go through losses. You can go through abuses. You can go through different things like that. It's not God testing you. Sometimes we, it's, it's the enemy attacking us. Sometimes it's the fact that we live in a sin-cursed world and we become the victims of either our sin or somebody else's sin. That's not the same thing. Testing, though, is situations where God has put us in circumstances to challenge our faith and to benefit us in some way. Now, how do you know if it's just a test? Well, here's one thing to consider. Testing often involves an unmet need. Testing often involves an unmet need. So if you've got a situation in your life and you say, boy, I need this and it's not really happening, that might be the test because God's sitting there saying, okay, are you going to trust me for this? Or are you going to start scheming on your own? And I'm pretty good at scheming. And I'm really good at thinking up really great ways that God can answer my prayer. And, uh, you know, here's a good one, God. Just go with this. And sometimes we need to step back, though, but it, it often involves an unmet need. But God uses these tests in our lives to help us grow or actually even sometimes to reveal our faith. And so he came to this trail of testing that was designed to become and actually became for Abraham a, a trek of trust. And as I mentioned before, Abraham didn't have a great track record when it came to trust. But something happened somewhere along the line in Abraham's life, and this is really key to this story. I think as he got to know God better, he started to trust God more. And as he started to trust God more, then he had greater confidence in God's word. And that's how it is in our lives, too. There are people that we don't necessarily know well, but we struggle to trust them. I mean, if, if, if I walk up to a stranger in, in, in it's a life or death situation and I ask for advice, I, I'm a little leery in trusting them. If I walk up to my wife and say, hey, could you help me here? I trust her completely. Why? Because I know her. And I think this is the case in Abraham's story is when he says this, everybody else would have said, are you crazy, Abraham? Don't do that. And Abraham, I think, had finally gotten to the place where he's like, no, 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 I know him. I can completely trust him and what he has to say here in this situation. So, some lessons on trusting this morning. The ultimate act of trust is simple obedience. Just do what you know to do. Do what you've been asked to do. Do what you've been told to do. And Abraham did that, no questions asked. And if you need to ask a question, I don't think you're going to upset God. But ultimately, you're going to have to get to the place where you say, okay, God, if that's what you say, that's what I'm going to do here. And that's what trust is. That's what faith is. Just simply believing God enough to do what he says, even though it may scare the dickens out of you. Secondly, resting is harder, but it's ultimately better than resisting. Resting is harder, but it's ultimately better than resisting. 
The amazing thing to me in this story is the fact that Abraham never gets to see, never seems to get that rattled. Okay, I want you to go sacrifice your son. Okay. But somewhere in Abraham's heart, he had come to that place where he could rest in what God said, regardless of what it was. Now, me, I would have been upset. I would have been stressed. I would have been unhappy. I would have been feeling sorry for myself. I would have been just like, no way. I'm done with this. I followed you this far, and I'm not going any further. And Abraham's just like, you know what? I think I'll just step back here and see what happens. I don't know if I have that kind of faith, but resting is better than resisting. Because of this, trust puts the onus on God and not on ourselves. When Isaac said to Abraham, where's the lamb, Dad? What was Abraham's response? I don't mean this flippantly. His response is, well, you're going to have to ask God about that one. And sometimes we come to situations in our life and we feel like we have got to get this figured out. And God's just saying, no, you don't have to figure this out. You just have to trust me. And it may not make sense what you're going through, but I've got this. I really do. I've got this. And Abraham, I love that part of the story. He says, God will provide not a sacrifice. God will provide a lamb. Because he knew that it was up to God to keep his promises. God had promised Isaac. God had promised that Isaac would be the one. And Abraham was like, yeah, God, you're going to have to do what you promised, or you're going to be the biggest liar this world's ever seen. Another point here, learning to trust is often an inexact and irregular process. And I think if you could chart uh, on a graph Abraham's <laughs> journey through trust, it'd be like this. Oh, good day, bad day, good day, bad day. And boy, that describes my, like, something, like Sundays, tr my trust levels are way up there. You know, Mondays, they start to decline. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, we send out an email that helps, right? Okay, Thursdays, Fridays, and by Saturdays, like, if I could just make it to tomorrow. But I think that was actually the case for Abraham here, too. He had both successes and failures, and you're going to have successes and failures. But just know this, God doesn't give up on you. And actually, as you make progress, you may find that God asks stiffer requirements of you. And actually, as you get older in your faith, you may find that you have bigger crises because you should have bigger faith to handle that because God's been growing that all along the way. And so this learning to trust, it has its ups and downs. But God will be with you to keep helping you on your hike there. Well, that trail of testing became a track of trust that led well, it, where to, it led to a place called provision. The Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh is what it actually says in the Hebrew there. And that's probably not what I would have named this place. If I had been naming mountains at that time, I would have probably named it like Mount Relief. That was close. Or, you know, Mount, I am so glad that one's over. Or maybe, you know, maybe we could be more spiritual and call it Mount Sacrifice. But Abraham chose Mount Provision. Why did he choose Mount Provision? I think it's where he finally came to the place in his faith where when God says, I will provide, that Abraham is like, yep, you will provide. And God, from here on out, I'm holding you to that one. And maybe that's where you are in your story this morning is to get to the place to say, okay, God, you said you will provide. Okay. 
I'm going to hold you to that one. I think this fits us as fathers so much, doesn't it? One of, my, one of my goals as a dad is to provide for my family, for my kids. Some of the hardest times in my life is when I wasn't able to do that. Like disappointing your kids, is that the worst thing in the world? I remember like when my daughter, whatever was wrong with her, was a Cubs fan and wanted to go to a Cubs game. I said, I'll take you to the Cubs game, Allie. And I could not find tickets because there was that one point in, in their history where they were good. Well, we can only dream, Detroit, right? We can only dream. But, uh, and, and I missed that. I remember how disappointed I felt about disappointing my eight-year-old daughter. Now, I got her tickets the next year. And not only did I get her tickets, I got her tickets on American Girl Doll Day. So not only did she get to go to the game, she got a Cubs uniform for her American Girl Doll. I'll sell it to you, too, for, for the right price afterwards. But I think Abraham maybe felt that way in that moment. The one thing that he wanted to provide for Isaac was security. He's a dad. And the one thing that he was taking, that God was taking out of his hands and saying, trust me with, was what? That security right there. And when they get to that moment, it's like, okay, God, you provide. So I love this story here about how God provides in this situation. And you know what I love about this story, too, is you ever think about what Isaac learned in the process of this? Like, you know, 20 years later, were they sitting around the, the campfire, and Isaac's like, Dad, do you remember that one day you took me camping? Yeah, like worst camping trip ever. And yet God used that moment, and I just throw that out there because sometimes in our parenting we're like, oh gosh, I don't know what to do in this situation, but your kids are watching you. And the faith that you exhibit may be the faith that they need, even though it seems like a hard faith to them in that moment. Well, here's what's interesting to me as we wrap this up this morning. Mount Moriah is still there. You thought about that? In fact, that's what it looks like today. Anybody know what that is? The Dome of the Temple, it's an Islamic shrine. It sits on the very place that, um, that the altar that, that Abraham built. Um, so that's, that's what's there today if you went there and visited. But if you back that up, you know, 2,000 years ago, here's what you would have found sitting on that site. It's a temple where Jesus worshiped. That's interesting, isn't it? And what was the temple? The temple was the place where we were reminded that God's presence is with us. And the temple is the place where people came and offered sacrifices for the sin of the people. And so the very place where Abraham offered Isaac is the place where the Jews, hundreds of years later, would come to offer sacrifices to the priest for the forgiveness of sins. Now, if you remember at the beginning, I talked about Moriah is a little bit like a mountain range or a series of mountains. It, it's a potential that one of those peaks that was part of that little chain of mountains there in Jerusalem was a hill that we would call Mount Calvary. And we have this story of a God who says to Abraham, Go offer your son. And Abraham's okay. 
and he gets ready to, to plunge the knife, and God says, no, 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 I'm not going to ask you to do that. I'm doing that. In hundreds, thousands of years later, God walked to the top of a mountain with his son, Jesus Christ, and said, okay, let's do this now. Well, here's some lessons on provision. God will provide what you need when you need it. He didn't provide that ram till the very last minute, but it was there ready and waiting at the right moment. Secondly, we need to focus on our promises that God gives us. Don't focus on the need. And it's so easy when we're dealing with crisis in our lives, when we're dealing with these hard paths, to start looking over the edge, right? Like, whoa, and God's like, no, 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 look up. Focus on the provision, not on the need. And then be reminded of this. God can fill hands that are empty. If Abraham had just held on to Isaac, he would have missed so much. And sometimes there are situations in our life when we look at it and go, I don't know, I don't, I don't understand this, God. You want me to let go of this? If I let go of this, this will be like the biggest loss in my life. And God's like, just let go, just let go. Because when we let go over here, God fills our hands over and I think Abraham probably had this most incredible moment. God fills empty hands. And the last thing here would be a reminder that if God's already provided the ultimate sacrifice, everything else is easy. What does he, Paul write in Romans 8? He said, God didn't spare his own son. He freely gave us up for us all. How would he not give us all things? If he gave us Christ, everything else is Pretty small change. And so as we face needs in our life, as we face these moments of crisis, as we face these moments where our faith and maybe our parenting are in contrast, we can be reminded of a God who says, oh, you can trust me. You can trust me. So there's a lot to think about here this morning. Maybe there's one thing that stuck out to you. I don't know what that one thing is, but I would encourage you to grab onto it and to take it with you this morning. Maybe it's just that idea of trying to walk the narrow trail between faith and, and parenting. It's hard. And it's not just when your kids are home. It's hard when they're gone, too. Maybe it's believing that good could come out of the test that you're facing right now. Maybe it's finding and claiming a promise that you really need to hold on to desperately in your moment. Maybe it's resting instead of resisting. Maybe it's getting back up and trusting again, even when you've failed. Maybe it's a matter of just letting go. Maybe it's your agenda, or maybe it's your dream, or, or maybe it's your idea of how things should work out so that your hands can be empty for God. Or maybe it's just trusting God enough to forgive you through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, who went to Calvary. It's a hard hike. Where are you? Has it become a trek of trust yet? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you teach us through your word. Thank you for the encouragement that we get this morning. Even as fathers, the encouragement we get that, gosh, it's hard sometimes, but, but you're a God who walks the trail with us. And you're a God who's given way more than we could ever give. And you're a God who loves our, loves our kids more than we do. 
You loved Isaac more than Abraham did. Please remind us of that. As we sit here, can we just take a moment for decision? What is the decision that you need to make this morning? In your life of trust, that trail that you're on? Or maybe it's just that decision to trust Christ and invite him into your life. God gave him up for you. You just have to believe. Will you make that decision today? God, please take us to that summit of faith that Abraham hiked to that day long ago. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing a closing song, and then we're going to take just a few minutes to talk about next week with New Springfield. We want to give you some details on that.